Right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the No Code SaaS podcast. My name is Glenn. No, just kidding. This is Kieran. You might have noticed already if you're watching on the video that Glenn isn't here with us. So we should start off by saying that Glenn has decided to take a few months out of the No Code SaaS podcast because he's unfortunately just too busy with other stuff. So he's leaving me and James to to man the helm for the time being. So unfortunately, we're not going to have the professional tones of, of Glenn asking all the questions and the insightful comments, but we're going to have to muddle through as as best we can. So uh, yeah, just a quick intro. My name, if you haven't listened before, my name is Kieran. I'm a Bubble developer, and I'm working on a project called Yep.so, which is a super fast landing page builder. Cool. And uh, yeah, I'm James. So yeah, if you haven't listened before, I'm a bubble builder as well. But yeah, I'm building a SaaS called UserLoop, which is a, a customer feedback platform for Shopify store owners. But yeah, all built in all built in Bubble. Excellent. So I feel like this is where Glenn would say, okay, guys, great to see you. And who wants to go first with the update? So I guess I'll just say, James, go ahead with your update. Yeah, yeah. So it's been a busy couple of weeks. I've just finished the, a week of launching new feature into the product every day, which has been quite fun. That whole process of shipping and doing all the marketing around the features and all of that was kind of accelerated and bundled up into into a week-like event. I kind of wanted to make it a bit like what kind of Cloudflare and other people do where they have a week of product updates around a specific theme. So that's been super fun to do. And it was also kind of forcing me to do a bit more marketing type stuff as well. As a lot of the, the product updates were already ready to go. So it was more of a case of doing marketing for them, like doing all the, the, the videos, the blog posts, all that stuff around it. But yeah, it seems to have gone really well. And yeah, features seem to be going down well with, with customers, which is good. Re- Revenue has been growing again. So I think on our last episode, it was fairly flat. I'd had a fairly flat few weeks, but yeah, been picking up recently, which is I, I've had, I was kind of a little bit surprised about because I know it's the summer holidays, so you know can be a little bit quiet sometimes, but it has been has been picking up, which is great. And yeah, I think going into this next week or two, my main focus is going to be on the marketing website, because I feel like that is falling behind a bit again, and it's just not got it's not a true reflection of all, of everything that's in the product at the moment i think it, i seem to go through these cycles of spending a lot of time on the marketing site then spending time on the product and like now i feel like i need to come back to the marketing side because it, it does need a bit more a uh, bit of work and the other kind of update uh, is i've decided to add like a major new product category so aside from customer feedback there'll be another kind of product in the suite that's, that's different so I'm kind of working on that. That should be launching within the next two weeks. So I'm kind of really excited about that because that's going to be the first time in the history of working on this that there is a new feature that isn't about surveys or feedback, but it will be bundled in uh, as part of the platform and given away, well, you know, part of the license fee. So trying to add value and differentiate a bit. So yeah, I think that's that's kind of what I've been working on. What, what about you, Kieran? Well, before we go on to my much less interesting update, yeah, I've got a lot of questions about yours. But firstly, congratulations on like dedicating time to marketing. I think when we first started the podcast, I remember you hadn't been doing much marketing, but now like every time we do an update, you are talking about 
the marketing you've been doing which is just great and do you do you consciously do this kind of i'm going to do marketing for two weeks and then building or is it you know something that just comes naturally yeah i do try and like segment it up so there's it's kind of a 50 50 week between building features and then marketing although i'm just trying to force myself to do marketing as much as possible it's i probably like a lot of other builders it's just not my favorite thing i'd rather be building features i don't really enjoy the marketing stuff but the thing is is if you don't do it then no one uses the features so it's and it, it, it i have started to experience a bit of you know seeing the payback of the marketing so and that kind of motivates you to do it a bit more so like getting really good click-throughs on some of the SEO blog posts I've been writing, some of the paid search is paying off. So it is when it works, it does kind of start to motivate you a bit more to do it. But yeah, I try and split it uh, around 50-50 building uh, and marketing. Yeah, so I think the, the important thing there is the actual tracking of the, of the stats. Like, do you have, are you just using like Google Analytics or another kind of analytics package and actually paying attention to the data? Do you, do you make notes of when you are putting new marketing out so you can see if there's an immediate impact? Yeah, I do, do do quite a bit of tracking. I mean, to be honest, since the new version of Google Analytics, I find that almost unusable. It's, it's a real shame what they've done to it with GA4. I, I really struggle to get any kind of useful information out of that really that much now. So main things I'm looking at is Mixpanel. That really contains everything about, you know, where the customers come from. Uh, I have a, a survey in my sign-up process that tells me, you know, asks the customer, how did you hear about us? That is a really good source, which is kind of good because that's also the product that I sell. But I, I do actually find that really useful of, you know, people say they were re referred by a friend or it was a blog post or Google or the Shopify app store or whatever. Actually seeing that there, I find kind of more reliable sometimes than some of the other kind of attribution, which I think can be a bit woolly. I think it's easier to just ask the customer and more than often you get really good answers from them about how they heard about you. So that's the main thing I track. And then then also the other things I look at is, you know, how far people get through the onboarding when they get to those first goals of sending their first survey, all that kind of stuff and tracking how that's performing. And then, yeah, obviously with all the ad platforms and everything, I'm looking at what my CPA is and all of that uh, in those. So, yeah, there's, there is quite a lot to track and it's all in different systems, really. Like, so I don't really have a unified dashboard of everything. Probably Mixpanel is the closest, but yeah bit of a shame about GA. <laughs> yeah, I haven't, I don't really use Google Google Analytics much at all. And I'd heard about GA4. And then I think I heard it, I think it was like my first million or something. They, they had this theory that Google is doing it on purpose to like, I can't remember the reason, but it, <laughs> they, it, it made sense when they said it, like Google is purposely trying to build a terrible product. But yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like no, it was already bad enough. It was, yeah. And it's, you know, it's such a shame. I mean, but on the other hand, I've been seeing some of the other like open or like alternatives to GA doing really well with signups recently, like Plausible. And I think there's a couple of others, but they seem to be benefiting of that. I might actually give, give one of them a go. The latest kind of analytics package I'm trying out is PostHog. So that's potentially going to be my replacement for Mixpanel and Full Story because I'm getting closer to... The, the limits on the free plan with those. So you only get a thousand 
sessions a month. I've been going over that recently. Uh, I think with post hog, you get 15,000 a month. So I've been thinking about swapping out into that to, to do some more measuring, but yeah, we'll see, see how it goes. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It will be, if you find a really good alternative, that'd be great because yeah, I'm, I'm terrible at analytics and stuff. And, and part of the reason is I hate reading Google analytics. I just don't get it. Mm. Um, I also saw in the news that Spotify was uh, is releasing some kind of AI co-founder for Spotify store entrepreneurs, which I thought was looked really cool. Yes, yeah, Shopify. We've we've got the mix up. <laughs> I do oh. that all the time as well. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> did I say Spotify? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, Shopify. Uh, yeah, and it looks really cool. Yeah, it looks really cool, and I think what I was particularly excited about with that is they they did confirmed it would be opened up to developers so this is effectively a, a fairly advanced ai assistant built into shopify that you know would let you use natural language to say you know oh i want to discount all products in my store by 10 percent, and it will go you know help you do that so it is going to be interesting that they open that up for developers i mean this is where you know this this topic comes up that we've talked a little bit about before about the lines of what you can do with no code as well because for a lot of those uh newer features on the shopify platform you kind of need to be using their their software libraries to do it so i've not been able to do some stuff because i'm i am a no code app and i'm primarily using the apis not sdks and stuff so that is an interesting one i don't know if i would be able to uh, some of that newer stuff because you do have to be using their actual libraries to to do it so would um, you potentially be able to um, kind of plug into their system so that if someone said, I want to have surveys in in my app, you could make it so it could automatically like install your app into their Shopify store and do everything? I hope so, yeah. I mean, I think the, uh, I suspect what will happen is that will only be a certain class of Shopify apps that are eligible to do it that are fully embedded within Shopify mm. and use all their software libraries, which I, I, I'm an app which runs outside of Shopify. So mm-hmm. you're, not, you're kind of classed a little bit differently because we primarily just use the APIs to, to interact with rather than the actual libraries. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see, see what's possible. I mean, this is the kind of thing that may end up pushing, you know, reluctantly towards some kind of coded version of the product. I mean, having to do that in some areas just because you cannot, leverage the full power of the platform without using their their libraries but again it's 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 the absolute last resort which you know as we've said the 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 power of building with bubble is so strong i'd really not want to give that up and to so it's you know hopefully we can find ways ways around it which we we have been able to do so far so fingers crossed yeah and have you i know a few episodes ago, you said that you'd made a version where it could be used on any platform, not just on Shopify, not Spotify. Well, maybe it can be used mm-hmm. on Spotify as well. But have you had much luck with like promoting it on other e-commerce platforms? Platforms. It's uh, that that ver- it is done that version, but it's not actually been released publicly yet. So I can't. I'm really thinking carefully about how to how to do that. The, the the version that supports all platforms is is still a little hard to use uh, until there are actually integrations into big commerce and things like that like the plat it still is a little hard to use without without actually doing those other 
platform integrations. Right. And there's quite a bit of uh, reorganizing of underlying stuff that needs to happen for that. So it's it's kind of gone down my my priorities list a bit just because of some of the, the stats I've been reading about the other platforms and that they aren't, you know, there just isn't the, the momentum of users on them mm-hmm. that there is with Shopify. So at the moment, I'm still kind of focused on Shopify. I've opened up quite a lot of features, though. So multi-user accounts, being able to log in with an email address and a, and a, and a magic link instead of just Shopify login. So that's kind of the first step to it. So now you can have people on it that don't have access to your Shopify account, which is a new thing. But yeah, I'm kind of treading a bit carefully in terms of that, the next step. I mean, technically it's possible now, but it's more of like a packaging and a marketing thing uh, and not wanting to kind of uh, muddle the message of what the product is too much because it's quite succinct at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it might be one of those things that is just nice to have just in case something goes wrong with Shopify you know that you are only a few you know a few hours or days away from launching a version that can be used on other platforms that's definitely kind of nice to have as a backup but yeah it sounds like it makes sense because it would be a lot of work in terms of marketing and messaging and everything else to suddenly launch to other platforms that's it yeah so my my kind of strategy shifted a little bit towards this diversifying the product range rather than the platforms so that's kind of why I've been focused on that a little bit more is just trying to grow out the, the current base uh, of, of like the, based on the Shopify audience. Um, but yeah, I, platform risk does still make me nervous. So yeah, we, it, it's still on the, on the cards to do it at some point, but I kind of want to be quite strategic with it and do it, do it well, not just kind of uh, just do a, a bad version. I uh, want it to be really good uh, for, for the other platforms. I mean, that, this is kind of the thing with Shopify. Their APIs are so brilliant and there's so much functionality that we can access as developers. It makes the product really good. So it's, when the other platforms don't have things like, you know, being able to generate coupon codes or whatever it is, the product is not as good. So, yeah, that's kind of why I've stayed Shopify only still for the moment, but, but it's on my mind, definitely. Well, I hope if Elon Musk is listening to this, which I'm sure he probably is, um, take on board those comments about API access. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So shall I go on to my minimal update? Yeah, that's it'd be great to hear. Well, so yeah, I've been, yeah, you know, freelancing has kind of picked up quite a bit in the last few weeks and yeah, unfortunately, when you're when you're doing freelance work, it kind of feels like you have a job you don't have. I feel like I have less time to work on side projects than I did when I was actually full time employed and just doing them in the evenings. I don't know why that is. But yeah, so I haven't really done anything on yet for quite a while. I've made a few bug fixes at the request of a few kind of pro users that emailed me. But in general, yeah, it's been pretty stagnant but at the same time it's not taking up a lot of my time at all so mrr is kind of yes it was at like 700 dollars for ages i almost made up to 800 dollars. now it's down to like 600 and something so i'm impressed that you are seeing like good revenue increases at the moment because i just had the feeling that now is a bad time because people keep churning or all their all their cards get you know rejected and then 
I think that's when you really work out if you've got a good product. If people come back in when their cards are their cards bounce and update to a new card, that's a good sign. But then something like Yep, I just feel like people probably get excited about it initially, but because it's dealing with the that early stage founder who's testing ideas, it's highly likely that in a couple of months they're going to have thought, yeah, I'm not interested in that idea. Or I'm not interested in this at all. Uh, I'm going back to my secure job. So, yeah, it's it's a tricky market. So that's I've been thinking recently about maybe I should be launching other stuff as well and trying to because you know from hearing your story, I'm convinced that I will one day find a successful no code SaaS product. But I'm not at the moment. I'm just kind of all my eggs in one basket and not really experimenting at all, which is what I used to do a lot. And I'm seeing people on you know, on Twitter who were in the same boat as me for a while. And then all of a sudden they just hit on something. And so there's this guy, I don't know if you have seen him or heard his podcast. He's called Tiago and he has a, I think his name is Tiago and he has a podcast called the wannabe entrepreneur. Have you seen that? Yeah. Yeah. I've heard it. Yeah. And yeah, he was always just like trying different ideas and he was, you know, a wannabe entrepreneur. And then I think in like February or something, he, launched a new idea and it's just taken off and now he's at like four or five i think 4k mrr now and yeah he's now a successful entrepreneur with a with a SaaS product and it's just amazing to see but he's like talking about the difference that he feels now when he's actually found product market fit and how like not easy but a lot easier it has been to kind of grow the product in just the space of a short few months so I kind of feel like yep is always a bit of a a battle although I continue to get like loads of free signups like every day I'll have a few so they're finding it from somewhere so that's that's great because I don't do any marketing but in terms of a paid product I think I could I should be able to find something that just grows a bit more easily especially for someone like me who is just clearly not willing to put the effort into marketing so yeah that's what i've been thinking about recently like i've got a few ideas and yeah i'm really trying to apply like all my own and everyone else's good advice which is you know don't start with an idea just find a find an audience or a market and find their problems and you know try and solve it so i have actually been talking to a fair few people to see if i can identify like a really niche problem in a niche industry that i could build something for but so far like yeah i haven't really hit upon anything where i thought this is this is it this is the one so i don't know if i should just start throwing things out there and seeing what sticks or if i should continue just talking to people and trying to find someone who says yeah if you build me this i will i'll pay you for it so yeah a bit of a tricky dilemma but at the same time i'm i'm kind of excited about the idea of like launching something new and yeah doing some building but also hopefully you know finding something that's got a bit more of a kind of bit more rocket fuel behind it than yep yeah and i guess it's also thinking about the kind of customer and the market that you want to be in um you know i think we've spoken a bit before about b2b being kind of a sweet spot for i think no code SaaS as well i mean because i've, I've also tried the the kind of direct-to-consumer app, and that was extremely difficult to uh, to grow and scale. And yeah, like, I I had that issue, like you said, with churn as well. 
I think people, individuals, especially speaking for myself, I'm much more, I keep an eye on what I'm spending on software licenses every month, probably more than what a company does, because the ROI to an individual is probably a lot lower. So it's, yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting one to think about. And that was something that I, I spent quite a lot of time at the beginning of this one, talking through people in the industry and think about that, the whole icky guy thing about, you know, what, what am I good at? What can I earn money for? What am I kind of passionate about? And trying to figure that out. So yeah, I found that super helpful as a kind of a framework for thinking about what to build even and what I would want to spend years working on. Because you kind of got to be passionate about it as well, haven't you? Yeah. And it's the whole thing of finding like a market. Like I've been, I went to a thing recently and met a friend of a friend who was an optician and I was talking to him about like software he uses in his opticians and and then I started like I went down a rabbit hole of like looking at optician software and I think you know like many of these kind of unsexy industries the software looks terrible it all looks like it was made in the 90s but it's also really complex the stuff it can do and I'm sure it doesn't do it anywhere near as well as it could be doing it but if I wanted to build the same stuff into a SaaS, it would take a long time because they've literally been going 15 years on this one product and it just does so much stuff. And also, these this kind of software doesn't really have any APIs, so you can't just build a nice little tool to plug into it. Mm-hmm. So you'd need, to, you'd need to build something from scratch. So I was trying to think of like what are the other kind of legacy industries that I could look at but the few that I did find they they did all have software but it most of it looked fairly complex in terms of building so I still think there must be opportunities in in that space and if I was you know lucky enough to get a freelance client where they were working in one of these industries because a few of my clients that I've worked with before have been building really interesting stuff in in pretty cool niches um all on bubble and I was thinking, yeah, if I could find like a client that would wanted me to build something kind of bespoke for them, but then I could spin it off into a SaaS in a certain industry, that would be really cool, a really cool B2B play. In, and obviously, if, if the client is willing to use Bubble, then hopefully other companies wouldn't mind that it's built on Bubble as well. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I, would, I also think that you know, having those older legacy players there with very kind of complex applications can be a, uh, an opportunity as well because you know if you can come in with something that's actually quite streamlined and you know you've put in the latest kind of ai thinking into the product you could actually do something quite uh, you know a step change in difference even if it is it doesn't do every single thing that, that complex legacy platform does but it does fewer things very well with a, a good ui to me, that is a you know really interesting opportunity at the moment. It does feel like we're in a kind of a step change moment for, you know, a lot of legacy software is about to become, you know, if it, if it hasn't got any kind of AI into it, it's going to, you know, just not be competitive. So there is a, a real kind of watershed moment of for being building some new stuff, I think, in those kind of like more niche industries, certainly. Yeah, I think I'm going to keep exploring them because there will be yeah there must be some opportunities and and it would be it would be great to just start churning out SaaS products for various industries and just modernizing them 
the yeah it's just the difficulty is like finding someone who's willing to sit down with you and really talk about you know what they need i was even thinking about like sending out some gigantic cold email like doing a survey of like who's using excel in their workplace and try and figure out which industries are still like heavily reliant on things like excel google sheets just yeah any way to get more insights into these things which i generally know nothing about but there must be there must be people like consultants who have such good insights into these kind of smaller industries and understand their software and yeah and obviously you know they're these companies probably think if if we need software we need to go to some massive agency or like Deloitte and pay loads of money for them to come and build us something when actually that's like totally not true anymore. Absolutely and I think like you said earlier maybe some of your freelancing work can help open up some of these ideas you know and even collaboration opportunities with people in specific industries to not just build something for them but maybe something that you could sell to others yeah because that's a whole benefit of building with no code isn't it? it's the speed the cost and the ability to iterate quickly is just so so powerful that does open up a lot of possibilities for doing things that might not have been economical before to you know experiment with yeah maybe i should just tweet does anyone want any software building must be b2b niche industry but i will build it for you like almost for free as long as i can sell it well yeah, sell it to other people basically yeah yeah it's an interesting proposition isn't it so it's kind of like you've got a power user to help you design it to to be uh, perfect and then you could do like a revenue split or something like that uh going forward no 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 revenue split <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm building it for them for free and they can use it for free but i'm keeping all the revenue from anyone else yeah i think that's so that that does sound fair <laughs> yeah yeah i think i think that people should go for it but people just really struggle to conceive like what software can do you need specific kind of people who really see the potentials but your average business owner is probably like just happy with the way they do things mm -hmm. at the moment absolutely and how has your experience of freelancing been with doing bubble work and and where have you been kind of sourcing those jobs from that's probably something else that uh, people will be interested to hear yeah, a few of them have just found me either through the stuff I post on Twitter or they've watched my videos on YouTube. I've got like not many or they've bought one of my courses and then they contact me and say, yeah, I built this app and I'd just like to, yeah, basically like some coaching slash support with it. And I really, I really like those because they've already built the app themselves so they they know a lot about bubble but they just have some like questions and they don't want me to do it for them they want me to like teach them and explain things so i really enjoy doing sessions like that so i have a few people who like i do one or two hours a week just doing that and sometimes it's quite challenging because like some of their apps are, are pretty complex in the way they work it takes a while to get my head around like how it all works and fits together um but usually i feel like i can add quite good value quite quickly which is really nice and then the other freelancing work is through AirDev. so I, I became an AirDev developer like in december um and i'm just on my second project with them but 
that's really good because they they're just so well organized and they also have like they have really good developers and they have a load of like best practices that they do and so when i'm doing stuff the way they do it i know that it's probably industry standard like the best way to do things which is is great to just keep doing things that way and and rehearsing it and stuff like they're really hot on database design privacy rules and stuff like that so every time you start a new project you have to design the database and then they will like a senior developer will talk through the privacy rules and the database with you and that's just super interesting to like make sure you're doing things right and take their suggestions and stuff like that so fantastic way of learning so yeah that's basically it so i think like signing up with agencies is is a really good way to get consistent work but obviously it takes a bit of confidence to do that because you are like working with a team who are depending on you but before that yeah just i think i think if you're making like youtube tutorials and stuff and people watch them they like to you know see what you're like and make sure they can communicate with you and stuff like that and then you'll probably get some inbound leads that way but yeah generally it's it's been been great so far and i've seen some really interesting projects that you know have opened up my horizons as to what is possible with a bubble Absolutely. And there's a really good newsletter, actually. Lee launches newsletter on Twitter of every week, just loads of freelance bubble jobs. I've subscribed to that. And it's really interesting just to see how much is out there and, and how much, you know, it seems to be growing. Like there is a lot of demand for, for kind of people building with bubble at a professional level. So that's been uh, super interesting to follow that and just see how much there is. Yeah. And I would just say, if you're listening to this and you're doing some freelancing, please don't undersell yourself uh, because it, it is. I know there's people who live in places where like the cost of living is much cheaper than it is in the UK. But uh, I've heard of people like selling their bubble at time for like $10 an hour or something. And it's just a total killer for every freelancer out there. I think like the stuff we do is worth way more than that. So I'd say don't don't charge under $50 an hour, no matter where you're from. Um, not that I want to be accused of like, price fixing, but definitely we're providing more than $50 an hour worth of value, whatever you're doing. So yeah, let's just try and keep the, the quality high, but also keep the kind of price point reasonable as well. That's it. I think it's, you know, it's got to be a sustainable thing for you to, you know, we want people to come in, be bubble developers and carry on doing it because they can make a good living at it. So I think charging, you know, based, you know, on a good a good rate that is going to keep you doing it is 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 definitely wise, and and also as a as a plea, I guess, is to try is to think about other developers working on the app after you've left <laughs> uh, and building stuff in a standardized way and documenting stuff because I think any of us who've tried to pick up a bubble app that has not been documented and is kind of all over the place is a bit of a nightmare. So as much as we can all do, I, I know I certainly am trying to document and structure everything very well, because even myself coming back to something six months later, unless you've written why you did things in a certain way, it's a bit of a nightmare to try and unpick later on. So I think it's for everyone's benefit. Yeah, well, one of the apps I'm working on is is it's so overcomplicated, almost unbelievable, like one one page will have maybe 10 hidden repeating groups doing all kinds of stuff 
and I'm trying to rebuild them so that they only use one repeating group because I think it's possible. But each repeating group will have nested repeating groups, and oh, it's just such a mess. And there's no privacy rules, or there were no privacy rules uh, when I first looked at it, and it's it's just one of the worst things. There's no documentation, but obviously the person that built it is super intelligent because it it is so complex that you would need to be incredibly intelligent to to make it but it's just built in such a weird overly complex way that it's almost impossible for anyone else to understand so yeah it doesn't really make much sense why if you're that clever you would build an app like that um but it's very difficult for me to, to, to pick up after them definitely i think we've all been there haven't we and I was just looking at the calendar, actually, thinking of upcoming dates, interesting things that are coming up. So in October, on the 10th and 11th, we've got the No Code Summit in Paris. Were you thinking of going to that, Kieran? Or? Yeah, I am. I've, I've already bought my tickets to the summit, actually. So yeah, I'm definitely going to go because it's, it's only Paris, not far away. And some of the people from the bubble house that I went to are going to like get rooms in the same hostel or something together. So I might join them and keep the costs down because hotels in, in Paris are a nightmare. So that, that'll be really cool. I used to live in Paris actually, and I haven't been there since for like 10 years. So it'll be nice, a nice walk down memory lane. Are you going to go? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I'm going to definitely try and go. But I was also looking in the diary that's been confirmed is the official bubble event in New York, which is like the week after I think, mm. or like two weeks after. So I would love to go to that, but it's, yeah, it's going to be a case of what the flights are like and stuff. Uh, but I, I, I definitely want to do Paris and possibly the, uh, the bubble event as well, but we'll have to see see how things go because uh, I, I don't think that tickets are being confirmed. Like you can apply on the website now, but you won't know for a couple of weeks, I think, whether you've got a ticket. So it's going to be, let's see what flights and hotels are like because I think New York's even more crazy than Paris. Yeah, I did. I applied for an in-person ticket to that. But yeah, I'll have to check the prices because I imagine Paris will be very expensive, uh, let alone New York. Um, But yeah, it would be really cool to go to that. Um, But then two things in one month does seem excessive. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to let's we're going to keep an eye on Paris thing. But I I think I'll definitely go for at least one night uh, to go and go to the, the event and come back. And then, yeah, New York, let's see. Because, I mean, I, I think like me, like all of us, we've been wanting an in-person uh, like official bubble event for so long for us to really get together. I really would love to go because it is, you know, it's going to be the first, it's the first one and we've never really had anything like that before where it's a, a thing dedicated to bubble. So, yeah, fingers crossed we, uh, we can make that work. But, yeah, definitely Paris. Yeah. I'm just going to have to freelance harder so that I can make some more money to go to both of them. But yeah, it would be amazing to to go to New York and yeah, meet all the bubble team. You know, the people we met at the bubble house were just so awesome. So I'd love to meet the rest of them. Definitely. Shake all their hands and say thank you for all your hard work. Absolutely. You know, they've made it all possible for us to build all this stuff at all. So, you know, it's be great to, to meet some of them. I'm just looking at the time. We're coming up for about 40 minutes. So is there, should, should we wrap up or is there any, yeah. any other business to cover? 
yeah no i'm happy to wrap up and we can yeah try and keep the episodes fairly short now that there are only two of us uh and i think that'll be i think people will be appreciative of that definitely well um great to chat and uh we look forward to the next one we're thinking we may actually try streaming a few of these episodes live uh in future on uh twitter youtube um so people can ask us questions as we go so we might experiment with that a little bit and uh, yeah we're uh, excited to to carry on with it but good episode yep cool thanks a lot thanks everyone bye bye